What's up, guys? We're back for another episode of Antler Up Podcast, and we are on episode eight. I'm Jeremy Dinsmore, and I have Aaron Belisi from the Fall Podcast on this week's show. Aaron is an avid bow hunter from Michigan and is the host of the Fall Podcast, as well as a member of Humanimal. In this episode, Aaron and I discuss all things bow hunting and his Iowa hunt, where he was very fortunate enough to fill his tag on a 180-plus inch deer that he tabbed the great Hambino. I really love talking hunting and hearing the story of Aaron's Iowa rut hunt, and I hope you enjoy it too. But before we get into everything in the interview with with, uh, Aaron, let's take a quick moment to thank some of our partners. First up, thanks to our fine people at America's Best Bowstring. I was finally able to get my Matthews VXR28 built this past week, and uh, man, my platinum strings are, are awesome. The colorway is sweet, but the technology and quality of these strings are amazing. You've noticed that right as soon as you take them right out of the bag. They now come with a two-year warranty, and you will get the same equalized strand technology that ensures constant tension, so there's no need to worry about peep rotation, which is key for us bow hunters. So check them out at americasbestbowstrings.com. Also want to thank our partners over at Miller's Gun Shop and Inc. uh, down in Mill Hall, Pennsylvania. Shout out to Bryce for, for having Dimitri and I come down this past week to get both of our bows set up with our new ABB strings, but ultimately getting my VXR uh, built from the ground up. It shoots like a dream. So if you are in the area and looking for a new firearm, bow, or hunting gear, just uh, check them out at Miller's Gun Shop uh, down in Mill Hall, Pennsylvania, and they will take care of you. Last week, we had Greg Farrell on from First Light. And we got deep into talking about First Light, what they have to offer as far as uh, their clothing and layering system for early, mid, and late season. Well, today while scouting, I had on the Furnace Henley Sawtooth Vest, Catalyst Soft Shell Jacket, and Obsidian Pants. And it was the perfect setup for me for while walking and trekking through the woods here in Central PA. And it's February 29th, and we actually, the high today was 22 degrees and with a little bit of a nice breeze going too. And we had snow and I was perfectly warm and comfortable throughout the day. Uh, So if you want to check out the gear that I wear, head on over to firstlight.com. Now that ends it for our thanking our partners for today. So let's get right into our episode with Aaron. And thank you guys so much again for supporting, listening. Uh, Please leave a review uh, if you like it and uh, over on whatever platform you listen to. So until next time, everyone, Antler up. All right, everybody. So we are live for episode eight. And tonight we have a very special guest on tonight's episode. And this evening I'm joined uh, by the podcast of the the fall podcast with Aaron Blisey. So Aaron, thank you for joining us and how are you doing tonight? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm down in my man cave and it's cold outside. It's about eight degrees outside. So I'm, I'm down here just tinkering with bows and, you know, just happy to talk to you tonight. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for joining me and, and we'll get into talking about your amazing Iowa rut trip this past season, uh, where you were able to, uh, be fortunate enough to take the biggest buck of your life with, with the great Hambino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, uh, it, it's pretty, I keep saying it and it, it's hard to explain, but it's still, I, it's still, I don't know if it's really hit me. It had, it has hit me, but it's like, every time I look at him, like I'm looking at him right now and it's just like, it's crazy that that actually happened to me. And I don't know if it'll be like, until next fall and then november 7th rolls around again where i really start like 
oh my gosh, what happened? You know, like a year ago. So it's pretty, pretty wild. And uh, I was pretty fortunate to be able to be in a situation like that. So it's, it's pretty cool. No, man, that's awesome. And obviously you have the fall podcast going on where, where, you know, you talk hunting and have amazing guests on. And uh, you also cover this particular hunt as well. Um, So, you know, those of you that are listening, you know, go check out the fall podcast. I believe it's like episode eight. It's in the high eighties. Um, so, 88, I believe. Yeah, there you go. Um, so give that one a listen to as well. And you could hear, you know, firsthand right when the moment it kind of had happened. Uh, but before we get into all that stuff, Aaron, you know, could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, you know, who you are, like where you're from and, uh, just kind of go from there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, like, like you said, my name's Aaron Blasey. I was born and raised here in central Michigan, lower peninsula, um, around Mount Pleasant area. If anybody knows where that's at. And I still live there to this day. Um, I'm 32 years old, about ready to turn 33 here in a couple months. And I've, I mean, I've lived and breathed hunting my whole life and that's just what I've always done. Big. I was big into sports, you know, through high school and, you know, when I was little and, was fortunate enough to play a little bit of college baseball. And then once that kind of fizzled out, you know, I went to college for uh, television and digital media productions because I knew I wanted to be in the outdoor industry, you know, filming hunts and producing that it was my passion, honestly, since I was 16. I, you know, one of my football coaches in high school, he ran our television um, program and still good friends with him today. And, you know, he kind of started the path a little bit in high school and I, I did some video editing there and I, you know, I filmed my first successful hunt when I was 16 and he actually let me edit it up and actually put it on the, the announcements. That's at, really so cool. The whole, <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Nowadays, I don't think you could probably do that, but, uh, um, we were a pretty big, uh, school that, I mean, out in the middle of the country, pretty big FFA program. So it's, you know, we had our own beef cattle because I, you know, so it was okay, okay. everybody, everybody everybody kind of lived and breathed hunting. And, um, so everybody thought that was pretty cool. And, and once I saw that reaction from all my friends and everything at school, and that was like, I don't know, it's kind of weird, but it was kind of like something that I'm like, man, this is really cool. Like I, I, I want to hopefully do something like this. And honestly, growing up and, and watching Realtree and Primos and, and stuff like that, you know, you, there really wasn't a lot of outlets back then that there is now to be able to, you know, think that you can pursue something like that. So really I didn't even know that that was realistic until I started getting farther into high school and things started evolving and, and actually you could see that being a producer could be a job. So that was kind of when it all clicked. And then, you know, I went to college for that and I mean, the rest is history here. <laughs> that's awesome, man. And that's really, really cool. Well, you know, I, what I love even more to hear about, like, your little bit bit of your background is we're the same age, um, and I'll be 33 in June. So that's, okay. like, in your passion, like you said, growing up playing baseball, same here, and I'm our varsity baseball coach at, at my high school. And uh, I, I, as you are saying about playing your, your when you were 16 your successful first film hunt uh i'm just trying to visualize that going on my morning announcements tomorrow and what, <laughs> what kind of uh hell that would raise right now so that's yep. that's yeah. pretty cool but because you know i'm located in central pennsylvania so we 
our school is very it's it's a large school and it's it's very diverse you know so we have a lot of agriculture kids and you know during uh when the pa farm show is going on we have a lot of students out during that time but you know we also have penn state university right here so we have a lot of uh families where you know professor kids and stuff like that which is great it's it's an awesome yeah. dynamic so and that's what i love too for me is spreading the message of antler up just because like you said we have like during my curriculum uh, I teach archery. So like when that comes, I love teaching it. I geek out, I'll bring my bow in and they're like, Holy cow. You know what I mean? That's so awesome. yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we, and we have the Genesis bows, so, you know, we have a really great program with that and they have a blast, but it, like, that's my time where I just like totally geek out, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Really cool. Yeah, man. So, so you grew up in Michigan and you know, what, what, uh, game did you grow up hunting? Was it always whitetail? Did you go small game hunting with your family and all that type of stuff? Yeah. So, I mean, it really started out rabbit hunting. And I think a lot of, a lot of kids grew up that way. I feel like, um, back when I was younger around us, pheasants were pretty, pretty popular as well. And honestly, our pheasant population is basically nothing now. Um, but you know, rabbit hunting, we always had beagles. My dad always had beagles and we'd always go run rabbits in the winter. And, and we made it a family event. And my, my grandma would always take the rabbits and we'd clean them and she'd make a rabbit stew and you know, that's kind of where it started. And, uh, we did a little bit of fishing. I really don't fish much anymore. And it, honestly, it's, I really couldn't tell you why. Um, it's not that I don't like it. It's just that I feel like all my time that I want to take, I want to put into hunting whitetails. Like whitetails is what I live and breathe. I mean, yep. it's almost to a fault, like almost a sickness. I mean, mm -hmm. um, I always, I always, joke if i wasn't married or you know had uh the best wife and kid ever i would be a bachelor and that's all i would do is travel and hunt. <laughs> dude i <laughs> hear it. you I, I, that's what i always say too i mean yep. my my students actually asked me that too they're like mr d i'm like what's up they're like you know because i present i'll i always i'm like yeah you go go follow antler up you know help 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 your your uh, teacher out and stuff you know and, yep. and they're just joking and they're like you know if you weren't a teacher or if you weren't married like what would you be doing i'm like traveling the world hunting whitetails <laughs> i'm like yep. live, living out of a van down by the river <laughs> you know? exactly yeah. I'm like, I'd, yeah, it's, I'd be okay with so that for sure. And it, it, that's basically where it started. And then when I could start, my dad ended up taking me rifle hunting for the first time when I was four or five years old. One of those two ages, I, I don't really remember it. My dad obviously tells me the story. So he got me in early. And then when I was eight years old, he actually hung a tree stand uh, in his tree for bow hunting, an extra tree stand so I could go with him. And I mean, this was before like everything. I, I don't even know if my dad even, he probably, if I would have asked him, he'd probably think this was just the craziest idea. But I remember the first night ever, ever sitting in a tree stand, I was eight years old and it was right on the first of November. I remember it was the rut and uh, he would only let me sit on the platform. So my, my feet would hang down by him. And, um, so I think it was more of a security thing for him, but he would strap me in with a seatbelt, um, out of an old pickup that he had. He just took the seatbelt on and just strapped me right to the tree. And, um, the first night ever, I remember I, I saw a red fox run right underneath of us. And then a little buck came by chasing a doe and, and, uh, my dad ended up, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And we went home and here, I remember him telling me a story, like, you know, I, I taught you how to use the grunter and we were going out the next morning and. We went up to the same tree 
and I remember it just being so crisp and so, you know, just so calm, but it was just frost on the ground, just your perfect morning. And, uh, he said, he gave me the grunner. It was a night in hell grunner. And, uh, I think he might even still have it. It was a black tube. And, uh, he said, every time I, I tap you on the, on the leg, I want you to grunt. So he tapped me a couple times. I grunted. And all I remember is hearing coming through the, the leaves and end up showing up. There was a nine point and he shot it with his bow and right in front of me. And I think that was all I needed. That's <laughs> honestly, awesome. that's so yeah, cool, and, man. <laughs> he, uh, he only ran about 30 yards. We watched him actually expire and i mean i'll never ever forget that i still have the rack and he get you know i've got the rack here so for a little memento and and uh it, that was pretty crazy That's and that was so just cool. kind of the, the starter of it but turkey hunting as well you know i think a lot of kids grew up turkey hunting and my dad was always a bear hunter you know in the up he'd go up bear hunting so that's something i'm going to get start getting into so yeah that's that's kind of how the the growth of my hunting I guess you could call it career. I don't like calling it yeah. that, but, uh, started. That's cool, man. That's, that's awesome. And that, that's what I love. Like have, having people on and share that stories just because of things that we can relate and, uh, you know, just seeing that the different culture too, you know, growing up for, for where people grow up and, and share those stories. So that's awesome. For sure. Now here's one that I, I want to throw at you, like kind of going towards that. So we're the same age and, you know, everybody goes through different periods of their life and, uh, like I mentioned to you before we, we went live is, you know, the past five years, it's, it's really kind of consumed me in a sense of like, just, you know, just loving and, uh, just showing my, my passion for the outdoors and hunting. When would you say you turned like that corner and you felt like it clicked for you that, you know, understanding things, whether it be, you know, uh, entry and exit routes and scent control, all that stuff. Like, when do you feel like things are like, kind of like, click for you as as a, your own style hunter hunting so a good question because i always look back and i'm like oh i was always a hunter but i really look into it and really like even through high school i loved hunting yep but nothing ever really registered like i hunted one stand that my dad and i hung exactly you know and it was you it was you it was usually over a bait pile you know because we could we used to be able to bait and uh and Honestly, when it really started clicking was 2000, around 2008, 2009. And 2008, I got a picture of a buck on our family farm. And to this point, my biggest deer was, I want to say he was probably like a, a 70 inch two year old, you know, just like, yep. you know, I shot a lot of like, uh, basket rack sixes. And I actually shot a, a nine point opening day rifle season. Uh, my senior year of high school with my gun and that was in 2005 2005 yep. and that was probably my biggest deer and I remember getting a picture of this buck he was just your prototypical eight pointer um, at the time it was a giant to me and I got a picture of him on August 18th full velvet and I for some reason I just said I, I want to try to that deer like that's the deer i wanted to go after now i wasn't gonna like start passing up bucks just to kill that deer i was no i'm still not to that point yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but he was like the biggest deer and he he wowed me i was like you know he was he was a good deer so um i started hunting that year for him and in his area where i thought i could get on him i hunted 
the first two weeks never saw him and never had him on camera and i'm like well what the heck like did somebody ever kill him and i'm like well maybe i should move like i was hunting like one or two stands on a food plot and i'm like maybe i should like try to move a little bit so i took my stand down and i i moved into what i thought was close to a bedding area and it was a cedar swamp a cedar thicket that had like a pond around it and it was pretty thick and i hung the stand and hung it on the 17th of October and I was like, I'm going to let it sit for the night and then I'm going to come back in. I wasn't even going to hunt it the next morning. And I was like, this is going to be my night sit for October 18th. It was a Sunday night. And I went in there. I had my brother-in-law come with me and he was filming me and went in there like midday and got up in the stand and he ended up coming by. The buck ended up coming by and I shot him at eight yards. Wow. And yeah. And that's when it was like, okay, I just did something and he was only a hundred inch eight pointer and I thought it was the biggest deer. So then that was like what kind of like triggered it, I, I believe, and was like, okay, I need to start moving. I need to start figuring things out like where trails, pinpoints, you know, sign like bedding areas, you know, entry exit. That was really kind of the, the aha like moment, like the light bulb went off. And that's when I, I think I really started growing as a hunter then, um, started reading a lot more, started you know, watching a lot of other things and, and just trying to figure out um, a lot of different scenarios. And the, actually the next year I shot a eight pointer that was 105 inches. Nice. That was a little bigger. Yeah. And I was super excited about that. So I'm like, okay, this is working. This is, this is what's happening. And I've just evolved tried to anyway yeah every year after that so i would say probably around 2008 2009 that was the moment that it really hit me that's really cool because i mean when you think about it we're like i said we're 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 still very young and growing up it was our parents or our family members that were like yes sit here you'll see deer and when you sure you know shoot then now there's so much content out there whether it's podcasts youtube uh the internet with with uh, vlogs and and articles, just all that type of stuff where young hunters have that opportunity to like, it's, it's the perfect time for these young kids to get involved in hunting because this wealth of knowledge that has probably would have taken, you know, years to gain unless you're in it. Now, obviously you still got to get in there and put the boots to the ground and, and go through it, but you're going to have a better concept to grow, to go in there and probably be successful seeing deer at least you know what i mean for sure yeah i totally agree yeah no that's, yeah and that's so cool yeah and you know you make the comment that it's a perfect time for for kids and new hunters to get in i totally 100 percent agree with that i on the flip side though i think the only downside to it is i think the hunting industry as a whole right now is in a kind of a spot where you're only accepted if you if you kill big deer or big animals and it has to be a certain age or it has to be a certain antler size. And I've fallen victim to that. Like, you know, when I went to Iowa this year, I said it had to be a four-year-old had to be like, I could, my whole criteria on going to Iowa or or anything out of state is I want to be able to try to kill something that I wouldn't be able to kill at home. And for me to kill a four-year-old at home, you know, I've hunted here since I was 12 years old. And two years ago was the first opportunity I've ever had to shoot at a four-year-old buck and shot him, but I hit him high and didn't, he didn't end up dying. Um, and he ended up getting hit by a car late season, but that was the first four-year-old that I actually watched grow up. Uh, and, and, and so 
my criteria in Michigan is, is a three-year-old and because I've got not a ton of them, but I've got enough of them where I can say, you know, three-year-old and, and that's, that's what I'm trying to go for. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing. I, I, I couldn't agree more with you. And I love what some people are saying out there. Like you have Mark Kenyon and I know a lot this past year, he would bring it a lot up on the wired to hunt podcast, how people were like, you're crazy for passing that the wide eight or the wide nine or whatever he had going yep. on. And, you know, and, you know, Hey, good for him in, in a sense. And he was just saying, hunt your hunt people. And that's, I couldn't yep. agree more. You know, if it, if it means there's a nice, you know, six pointer coming your way. And like you said, if it gets you feeling like, like it's a 10, you know, take your shot and, you know, 100%. and I think too, nowadays, especially for certain people, we don't have the luxury of getting out numerous of days to go out there. And no, um, not at all. Right. So, I mean, for myself, like for, for being a school teacher, it's tough. I mean, I, and what I've been very, very fortunate enough is my wife's been very supportive. And like, this was the first fall where I was like, she was like, okay, I get it. Like my, my your weekends are yours. And unless, <laughs> you know what I mean? And she was very, yep. very, very, very supportive of that. And we had friends come in. I just, you know, there was a time where it, it was like the first cold, cold front coming into PA. And I think it was like the second or third week, you know, or second week in October. And I'm like, Hey, like, I just want to try to like put some, get a dough and just put a, some meat in the freezer, just get some, some meat going early on in the season. And she was like, well, my friends are going to be in by 11 o'clock. I'm like, well, I want to be out of the woods anyway by that point in time. So, you yep. know, so I, we made things work, but, um, yeah. And that's like, if, it, and I remember two years ago, the weekends, cause we still can't hunt here on Sunday until next year, we're going to have three days, which is great. Um, that's awesome. yeah, finally. But I remember like two years ago, man, it, we had rain like not just like oh it rained a little bit and then it would get out you know lighten up and you'd be good like it just like would downpour all day saturday and it just like sucked so bad yeah i would just remember then like sunday it would be beautiful or like come on <laughs> like exactly you yeah know? so you know this past year we were very very fortunate very lucky um and actually it was for me like my hunt where i was successful during the rut here in pa was november 8th and it was just, I mean, I shot my buck right at first light. It was just, it was, couldn't be more perfect timing. And actually when I shot my doe during rifle season, it was the first light as well. It just, you know, I just picked the, the, the bright or the, the biggest doe and, um, let my, uh, weather be 257 and you know, first, first kill with, with the, with my new rifle this past year on that one. So that was, it was just, That's awesome, yeah, man. it's just, uh, you know, like I said, trying to get these new kids involved and, and hunters and it, like we said, just hunt your hunt, support each other. And, you know, you don't, you don't have many days in the woods. So if, you know, not at all, you know, if, like I said, if you have a nice seven pointer come by and it gets you feeling like you're ready to jump out the tree because your excitement, you're excited, go for it. And if you're not, then, okay. Then, you know, if you want to wait and try your, your hand at something else, go for it. It's, it's hunt yep. your hunt. So that's awesome. All right. Now, sure. yep. So now let's kind of switch gears here, uh, Aaron. And, you know, obviously you, your video is just out right now about the, the great Hambino, which is awesome. I love that. It's really, you know, like the great Bambino. That's such a cool, yep, yep. <laughs> related to baseball. So that's even, yep. you know, it's even geared towards, towards me even more. I love it. Uh, how, how did you go about getting that tag in Iowa since you're from Michigan? Yeah, this, this process is, is kind of, 
kind of crazy. So a non-resident in Iowa, so if anybody out there listening doesn't know and does want to apply for an Iowa tag, you have to build up preference points. And, and usually it takes about four points, which is about four years to draw a tag. So your preference points are, I believe they're 50 or $52 a piece. So every year you, you put in $52 and you get a point. So I started back, you know, three years ago putting in for points. And honestly, it was just, I wanted to start putting in points because I didn't know when I was going to be able to go. I just wanted to be able to, if I knew a fall was coming around and I could apply for a tag, I just wanted to be able to get it. Um, now with my job, you know, I, I work for Kristen Casey Kiefer and, and my job is to film and produce hunting television shows. So the fall, I mean, I'm out there in the fall a lot, but I don't get to hunt a lot. Now this year, you know, we've, we've, we have a new brand. We have a new, new, uh, digital series that's going to be digital and TV. It will be on TV as well. It's called Humanimal. And this is more of, there's a team of, there's eight of us. So it's not just Chris and Casey, like they run camera as well. It's like all of us, you know, kind of created equal. We're all within it and we all hunt. And this year we had a great year. I mean, all of us killed bucks. Uh, we all filled our buck tags and actually Chris and I were, were fortunate enough to, to kill two bucks a piece. So that's cool. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it was a, it was a really cool year. So the tag process, like I said, I started three years ago and, and usually it, it's expensive. I mean, you look at it, you're paying, you know, 50 to $52 a year. You're looking at just over, you know, 200 bucks before you even leave your state and you don't even have tag yet. So <laughs> right. that's, you know, an Ohio tag, I believe is a little over $200, like 270 bucks. So it's like, that's crazy. That's not even my tag. That's just to hopefully get in the drawing to get a tag. Right. So on your tag, I can't remember the price of the tag. It's somewhere around $600 or a little bit more. So then you, you tack that on You're you're over, you know, roughly $800 and you're still haven't left yet. Um, so it was a very, it was, it was kind of a dream. I mean, growing up in Michigan, it's, you always look at the Drury's and they're hunting out there in the Lakoskis and it's, it was almost like an unrealistic thing that was like, Oh, I'll never be able to do that. You know, it's that, so it never really crossed my mind, but now that I'm in the industry I am in and the position I am in, and I, I do want to say first, like, I'm very fortunate, very, very fortunate for the opportunities that I get. Like, I will be the first one to say that. Um, I get to have a lot of opportunities that a lot of people will ever just dream of. So I, I'm, I count my blessings with that for sure. But, uh, sorry to get off track there. Yeah, no, you're so good. Three, three years ago, I started the tag process. Well, coming into this year, you know, we started Humanimal and, we were trying to divide up where everybody was going to hunt. So we have a lease in Kansas. It's a 4,000 acre lease in Kansas. And well, actually it's a little over like 3,500 acres, which is still a lot of ground, but it's really wide open. Not a lot of trees. It's a cattle, cattle ranch. So I say 4,000 and people are like, Oh, that's huge. Well, <laughs> a lot of it is like, it's hard to find a tree sometimes to put a stand in. Um, so we have that lease and then we have a lease in Ohio as well. So we're like, where's everybody going to hunt? Well, I had three points going into this year, and so did Chris. We use a, a tag service called Worldwide Trophy Adventures, WTA, and what they do is they they have an agent for us that they put us in for tags that we want to hopefully get. So every year that they come around, 
they'll put in for preference points for us. And what they do is they float the fees for that. Okay. And then if you draw, then you pay them back basically. Um, in a nutshell, that's how it works. So when we sent our information in, Chris and I were just going to do a preference point this year because next year, Chris, Casey, and I would all draw Iowa. So we were like, okay, maybe we'll wait a year. And then next year, all three of us will go and we'll just have a great time. So my plan, I was just going to hunt Kansas and Ohio and, and Michigan this year. So we, we sent in the paperwork. Well, it came out when the, when the drawings came out, Chris and I both got an email that said, congratulations, you were granted your 2019 archery, Iowa archery tag, non-resident <laughs> no tag. Way. And I'm like, holy crap, like, what? This has got to be a mistake. So I called the state of Iowa and I said, you know, I, I this has got to be a mistake. And the lady's like, you might be the first person to call me and say, you know, do or like, I wasn't supposed to get this tag kind of thing. And it kind of hit me. I'm like, yeah, why am I doing that? Yeah. <laughs> like, I got it in my hand. So however it happened, I have an eye of a tag. So that's kind of the, the funny story about it. Like, I didn't even expect to get this tag. And I had three points going to four. Usually you draw when you have four points. So I was pretty fortunate there. And Chris drew as well. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the tag process. And a lot of states work like that. Kansas is getting more like that. Um, Illinois is still over the counter. You can go and buy a tag over the counter there. Um, but Kansas is a complete draw system and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's pretty crazy. So that, that's, that's how the tags work. That's cool. Now, does Chris have a, was, will he have an episode coming out from Iowa? So no, unfortunately not. He never set foot in Iowa this year. Okay. And reason being is because he had some business obligations. He, him and Casey run. Uh, you know, we have a production company and he is, Chris is an unbelievable businessman. He like, that's his passion. Okay. He loves hunting and outdoors and everything, but he is a, a business guy and he's really good at it. You know, he's, I look up to him for that kind of stuff. Cause I am not a businessman at all. Yeah, no. So, um, he unfortunately had, we had a lot of things going on this fall and he had a great year though. He killed a really good buck in Ohio and a really good buck in Kansas. And, uh, he only sat three times this year with a weapon in his hand and killed two really good bucks. Well, so one, he had yeah, that one in Ohio was a doozy. That was a really awesome yeah, buck. Yep. And he honestly did so much homework. That's what he really strived off this year was he did a lot of homework. He sat back, did, did all of his homework and struck when the time was right. And it, it paid off twice for him. So he, he had a lucky horseshoe this year for sure. That's pretty awesome. No, and, and uh, you know, that's what's really cool is the, the two of them are just awesome individuals. I love their content, and uh, you guys do a really good job with, with your stuff. Um, well, I appreciate that, yeah. No problem. So now let's take a quick break to thank our partners over at Sever Broadheads. If you are looking for a new mechanical broadhead that flies perfect, cuts massive holes, and then is extremely durable, then head over to our website, click on to our partners page, and click on that first picture that comes up from Sever Broadheads. This will take you right to their, their uh, website where you can check out their 2.1, their 1.5, as well as their AP 1.7 uh, Broadheads. And while you're there, check out their brand new uh, HD Target. Again, they are amazing heads. They fly perfect. I know a lot of brands say that, but man, I'm telling you, these are unbelievable for how straight they fly and the cut that they have. Dimitri and uh, some friends of mine have put some deer down with it this past year. 
uh, man, they will not leave my quiver. So check them out, severedbroadheads.com or over on our website and give them a look, give them a follow, and you will not be disappointed. Now, when, so now you drew your tag, you're excited, you're pumped, you know, obviously you get into the, you know, the e-scouting, but I know from listening to your podcast before, so having that little bit of a background on the story, you know, Casey helped out with a buddy of his, uh, Chad from that Midwest antler company, uh, and helping you guys get the land to that farm, right? Yeah. So Chad, um, Chad Johnson, he is an unbelievable guy. He is born and raised in Iowa, just a small town guy, um, a jack of all trades. This guy is, he's just an unbelievable guy. He'll do anything for you. Um, Chad and Casey and Chris go back a long, a long ways. And I ended up meeting Chad probably five or six years ago when Casey and I went there and hunted. And Chad and I just hit it off. And now Chad and I have become pretty good friends as well. Well, what had happened was when Chad was getting into the outfitting business, Chris and Casey helped him out a lot doing that. And it was kind of one of those things that like, if whenever we pull tags for Iowa, we can stay with him and he'll help us out with some farms. Um, we don't necessarily hunt the farms that he outfits on. Like he has his own farms, right. but we'll usually get our own farms, but we have a place to stay basically. That's cool. And, uh, and, and he's good to have there. Cause I mean, Chad, he's one of those guys that, you've never really heard of but kills in giant deer and he's just an unbelievable hunter it, he his wall is so impressive and he does live in iowa i will give him that but he's just he knows what he's doing um but he's a good guy to have because we're you know 12 hours away so if he's more than willing to do anything on farms for us that we need to have done so it's good to have that as well yeah no so like even like building off of that you know obviously i i it, it was a huge help uh, because now, like, talk about like the being. What kind of time frame did you have for Iowa? Were you like, you know, this is my one shot of Iowa, so like we are designated X amount of days, um, you know. So for being limited on time, like you said, jumping from Kansas to to Iowa, yep. how how beneficial was having uh, Chad to to kind of point you in the right direction? You know, so we Casey and I went there the first of October and hunted four days, yep. and. Uh, I, I ended up killing a doe there and, uh, and a coyote. So that was pretty fun. And we were down there and we got to, Chad actually let us hunt a couple of his farms that he has set up for his family, which was, you know, he's gracious enough to do that and, um, saw some good bucks, but nothing that I really wanted to take. Not, didn't really have very, a very good opportunity. We had, uh, we had some bad weather rolling. We were only there for four days. So we came back home. And we wanted to be back in Kansas around middle of October. And we wanted to try to hunt for 10 or 12 days. And Casey, you know, he was, he, he was pressing it. He took precedent in Kansas. I wanted it. He's had a rough go at it for the last couple of years in Kansas. And, um, you know, so he was up to bat. We were going to, you know, we had some good shooters on camera. He ended up killing a doe there and kind of got warm on us. And I think we ended up coming back home on like October 21st and we were going to literally be here for like three days, four days maybe. And we were going back to Kansas and this trip, this, this back to Kansas trip, we weren't going to come home until either a, we killed three bucks, one in Iowa and two in Kansas or B, we were only coming back on Thanksgiving. Like that's how we do it every year. <laughs> that's we, awesome. we stay for like a month, you know, and how do I get in on that one part? <laughs> <laughs> that's cool, man. Yeah, so we, we headed to Kansas and 
we hunted there for like a week. Uh, I got poison oak really bad. Oh boy. And I mean, really bad. I had to go to the doctor, get a couple shots. And actually in my episode, you can, it was kind of like the last couple stages of me having it, but I would wake up every morning and my right eye would be completely shut and I could not open it. And it was so bad. I had it all over my body, on my chest, my legs, my arms, you name it, it. It was there. And, um, so Chad ended up calling us around the first of November. We were having a rough go at it. I mean, deer really weren't moving in Kansas. The weather was not really the greatest. And he goes, you guys need to get up here. It is getting ready to turn on. The big deer are up and moving in daylight right now. And um, we're only probably two and a half hours south of where Chad was. So, or is. so Casey and I kind of like briefly discussed it. We're like, it was at night after a night hunt. He's like, well, we can be there in two and a half hours. And I'm like, let's go. You know, so I figured we, ne- him and I never really talked about it, but I figured we'd have probably until the eight to the eighth to the 10th. So probably like seven, eight, nine days. Right. And then we were going to have to get back to Kansas because that's, I didn't want to go to Iowa and like miss kind of the Iowa rut and then go back to Kansas and miss the Kansas rut. Right. So it was like kind of a fine line. And, uh, so we went up there and we got there the night of, or the early morning of the second and, uh, kind of got into camp, used like the morning to get into camp. And this is kind of where the farm came into play. So this farm that we were on, um, we have been trying to get on this farm for like four or five years. An older gal owns it. Her husband, I believe passed away. And we've been looking at this thing for years now and she just doesn't let anybody on it. Well, one of Chad's good friends and one of, you know, become good friends with us now, he's a farmer there and just down the road. And we've actually helped him in the last, five years like helped him on the farm when we're down there um we'll help him do some things with cattle and stuff like that and and um he farms the ground well the last two years he has not been able to harvest any crops off it because of all the deer damage okay and he's had to do insurance on it so we were like i wonder if we could have kind of play that angle you know what i mean like maybe we can get in there and lease it for the fact of trying to take some deer off it for our, our farmer friend. And, um, that's kind of what we did. And we, it worked. It, we ended up leasing it. Um, and we were on it and we were like, holy crap. So, and that happened literally like the day or two before we got to Iowa. So this is like so new. Nobody hunts this farm. Chad has never set foot on this farm. He, you know, he's looked at it, you know, he sees it from the road. But we have no idea what's in there. So you guys Not are going in thing. blind. 100% blind. That's, this was, that's amazing. Yeah, and it's, it's one of the cool things about it. Like Because, like, my next Casey, question would be, like, did you have any intel, like, trail cameras, like, you know, <laughs> going back from the fall, like, your early October, yep. like, laying down any cameras and coming back and, like, oh, here's some hitless bucks, you know? Not one. We didn't have one camera in Iowa. That's crazy. Um, yeah, so when we got permission on the farm, we immediately went to the map and was just mapping out like, okay, what do we do? And I remember Casey and I's conversation, like we don't want to put the cameras out. Like let's just, we didn't want to send any of it up. We want it to be untouched. You know, we just did not want to touch any of it. We found the highest vantage point 
and it was we're a fence row because there it's a fence row but it's like a cattle fence on the farm and it divides up a cornfield to uh to a crp draw basically okay and uh it was the highest vantage point and we're like let's let's go in there at like noon on the second hang the stand and hunt it and just see what happens and our whole plan was to hunt two or three days see what the movement was and then move in and get real aggressive and that was the plan and we hung that stand and we got in it like as we were hanging the stand didn't realize it but once we got in the stand i looked over the first buck that you see on that on that episode is a buck where you can just see his head above the crp he was bedded there the whole time and we got up and and i looked over and i'm like holy cow there's a buck right there he was a 10 point he's probably 140 and i just couldn't tell if you were three or four and I'm like, man, I hope that deer doesn't come by here because <laughs> this hunt's going to be over quick. <laughs> like yep, yep. he met, he met my cri- criteria. Yep. <laughs> so he vetted there the whole night. We saw, we had deer all over and it kind of, you know, sun's going down and, and I look over to my right and there's a giant. I mean, just a slob. He's a mainframe 10. He's got double split G2s like eight inch brows he probably go high 160s to low 170s and he walked down in front of me at 100 130 yards and i threw everything but the kitchen sink at him and he would just he'd look at us and he just wasn't in the mood and i kind of got to explain the farm a little bit so we're looking at a crp draw we're at the top point so like basically if you were to take a piece of paper and just kind of fold it a little bit and make like two high points on let's say the east and west side like both your hands we were on one side and in the middle like the low point there's a big cedar draw cedar ditch that tees there's like a big t in it and it runs north and south and east and west and all like that was the hub like our plan was we knew there was going to be deer traveling through there so that was going to be like this is what we're going to try to figure out and then moving from there and he went right by he went right down that cedar draw down the in the bottom ever like we thought they were going to do and you know ducked down in that ditch and figured i'd never see him again right, right. <laughs> really um but then once he once he left and it got dark i, I took case i said we're not leaving this farm this we're gonna we're gonna kill a, a good buck i know we are yep um Next morning we get right back in that stand and who shows up but that deer at ten yards. I was and gonna I, say, is that the one that's I, like right underneath you in the stand? <laughs> he, yeah, uh, yeah. He snuck up behind us and um, actually downwind the whole time. Never, never sniffed us. Nothing came in downwind. I was able to stand up and get around and I tried to go to full draw, but I was just trying to pick a hole and I there was too many limbs. Like that's one thing with Casey and I when we hang like we do a hang and bang sit. We try not to cut a lot of limbs because that's just more scent. You know, you're dropping yep. limbs everywhere, and it, we just we're pretty scent cautious. And we did end up cutting that limb <laughs> after he left. So, um, but yeah, that was that was pretty crazy. And I just knew, I knew, not a guarantee at that point, but I knew that we were going to get an opportunity at some sort of deer. I I was almost positive that I was going to fill a tag. Well, at that point and like watching and just even going off of like what you just explained so you, your first two days you have one of the biggest bucks that you've seen 
and you, it's that experience of the Iowa, like, like, oh my gosh, I'm in Iowa. These are like the land of the giants. And yep. you have this one, like you said, what did you say? 170 come right underneath you. And you know, you, you made the cut, cut the tree limb. So you're now like you're going through looking out and then later on is when you start lay your eyes on the Hambino, right? Yeah. So it happened a couple days in. So, um, I had some encounters with that big eight pointer oh, that we named Ted. Yeah. Cause then th- you had the nine that you stood up on, correct? Yep. Yep. So the nine, it was, uh, so the first morning, which would have been day two, but the first morning we had, uh, deuce that big deer come behind us. The third, I believe it was the third morning. I think it was the third morning that nine, he was skirting on the other side of the draw and I rattled. He was kind of going away from us like 250 yards. I rattled just to get his attention and stop. And he stopped and looked back. And Casey, he had the grunter because I had the rattling antlers in my hands. And we were like, okay, you rattle, stop him. I'm going to hit him with a couple grunts. And we knew, we thought, you know, he was, we didn't know how aggressive he was going to be. But from 250 yards, when Casey did like a, like a, like a trotting tending grunt, he turned on a dime and came right to us. I mean, on a dime. Looking back at it, though, I would have done the same thing again because our our cedar tree was so bushy and so big. It actually, the deer had to be 25, 30 yards out in front of me for me to get a shot at them. And all the deer that were coming in underneath of us, I couldn't get any shots at them because they were too tight. And I knew he was coming down the trail and all these deer were coming on. And I knew he was going to be too tight. So my plan was, to stand up and I had to turn, he was on my weak side. So being a right, if I was a lefty, it would have been just stay sitting down and shoot. Right. Um, but I had to get up and turn around. And when I went to draw, I was, I was my, in my head, I was thinking, let him get to about, I had at like 35 yards, I had a limb that I figured I could draw and he wouldn't see me. And when I went to draw, he saw me cause I was skyline. And my plan was to hopefully he would open up a little bit when I got the full draw and I could, I could shoot him. Um, he ended up catching me two times, three, uh, I think it was two times. And when he turned to kind of walk away, Casey stopped him and I was at full draw and I had another limb in my way and it limb right through his vitals. Like I just, I could not, I couldn't duck down. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. I was, I was pooched. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, we figured he was probably right at like 150 as a nine pointer, you know? So no, pretty that, crazy. And that was a beautiful deer. And, and, like watching that you could almost see the like wind come out of your sails on that one just because <laughs> I, I you know i think you you know you had that big 170 come underneath your stand and then you know the next day like you said or the next morning you have this real nice nine coming at you on a dime again a limbs in your way you're you're full drawn and now you're like man what, what run run us through a little bit of like how could you stay still stay mentally mentally prepared and focused and dialed in for because again you're in Iowa this is your one opportunity uh, how, how did you stay positive in, in that in that time 
And last but not least, let's thank our partners over at Stoker Eye Stabilizers. Right now on my VXR28, I have the brand new M100 SS1 14.5 inch stabilizer. And man, what an amazing piece of equipment this is. This new stabilizer is brand new from Stoker Eyes. It is a carbon fiber micro diameter. Uh, and it's the stiffest carbon that eliminates the slightest vibration. And my bow is so balanced with the tight spot on the other side. And now this uh, brand new SS1 Stokerize stabilizer running that. Um, man, I'm not only am I impressed with the product, but the customer service. Sean is a great guy. That's who I've dealt with uh, uh, as well. So if, take a look for yourself for what I'm talking about over at Stokerize.com. Um. You know, I really don't know. And I think Casey had a lot to do with it because he just kept telling me he's hunted Iowa, you know, a lot, lot more years than I have, you know, and he just kept telling me there's going to be another one. There's going to be another one. But in the back of my head, and I even stayed in the, in the, in the film is that, you know, growing up here in Michigan, you hunt for one opportunity you know, that's it. Like, and you might not even get that opportunity. There's been years I don't even get that opportunity in Michigan. And that's like, what's in the back of my head. Like you hunt for one opportunity and you have to make that count. So I've had two opportunities regardless the size of the animals, but I've had two opportunities within 20 yards. Well, one was at 35 yards within 35 yards, you know, killable that I haven't been able to capitalize on. So to stay positive, you know, it's, it's tough, but you know, this was day three, knowing that probably within the next six days or so, five or six days, we're going to be leaving. That was also on the other end, like pressure starting to build a little bit. But at this point, I've seen that 140 inch 10. I've seen, uh, the big eight pointer, um, that we called Ted. He was there, uh, the nine pointer and then deuce the one that we I've had twice. So I'm like, okay, there's four or five bucks around here. One is going to come by here again, and it's going to happen. So that helped. You know, I was seeing a ton of deer. That's the one thing. I didn't have a lot of time to put a lot of the footage in, that all the deer that we saw. Right. We were seeing probably 15, 20 deer a set. Like, it, we were seeing so many deer. That's awesome. Um, and so many, so many different, like, Pope and Young bucks. Like, they were, ev- it felt like they were everywhere. So <laughs> to stay positive, it's, tough but uh at the at the same point um really i i I don't know it's just i feel like if that if those were the only two deer that i saw and you know i wasn't seeing a lot of deer i think it would have been a little harder on me so i think this scenario was was pretty right but don't get me wrong i i was upset i feel like i really screwed it there and you you could even hear me on there saying that i that I was just upset. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And, and then, you know, you talk about earlier about doing the hang and bang with, with Casey and stuff, you know, how important was being mobile for this particular hunt like these for, for your Iowa hunt in particular? Huge. I mean, it was because the theme throughout the whole hunt was down in that draw. So, you know, down in the bottom, all these bucks, everyone that we saw, every, everyone that we've seen that were shooters, have went by this particular cedar tree. Um, and it was on, it was on the point of the draw. So it was right on the point. Every buck was going by there. So we kept saying after every buck would go by there, we'd look at each other. We, we need to be in that tree. We need to be in that tree. But one thing or another would happen and we wouldn't be able to get down and move the stands, whether, you know, we were getting good movement or 
I feel like the encounters were spaced out just enough where we had so much confidence in the tiny dancer stand where we were sitting that we were going to kill out of there. Right. It wasn't like we weren't getting bucks that were, you know, too far out of range. We were getting deer close. So it wasn't like we felt like we had to jump yet until the next day, <laughs> until that next day came. Well, tell us about that next day. And, you know, just again, if those of you that are listening, if you haven't watched the film, go check it out. Cause you know, w- like watching it, you, you can almost feel the tension of like Casey being like gigantic buck, big buck, huge buck, yeah. <laughs> whatever you yeah. end up saying. And then you're like, you catch it. And, uh, I think too, you're like, where, where <laughs> or something in it. Yep. It's just such a, like, it puts you right in a moment. That's a, again, like a testament to you guys, great filming, great editing, great content. But then like, go ahead and talk about this deer because so now you, you you've seen deer, you had the opportunities. And like you said, the wind's kind of, taken out of the sails just slightly, but then now there's that big gleam of hope. Where are we at with this now? Yep. So just to back up one day prior. So after we had the nine point encounter, um, that day I actually saw a really big deer run down to a, uh, a different part of the farm. Long story short, we did, I did a hang and bang that night and went and sat on a different part. That was the only night that we didn't sit in that draw. And we saw like 12 deer and one like Pope and young deer. Um, that didn't make the film just because it was, it wasn't, it wasn't like a crucial part of the story. Right. Um, and we didn't get a lot of, a lot of deer footage. So that was the only night. So the next morning, which would have been November 6th, we get back in a tiny dancer and it's, it's cold. Um, it's pretty cold. We get in the stand and it's still dark. And, but it, it's, it's dark enough for where I could, or light enough where I could shoot, um, sitting there and Casey's still trying to get the camera ready and everything. And, and he's been around cameras, but he's not like, I shouldn't say camera savvy, but he, he doesn't play where, you know, he doesn't use them enough to like know some tricks and stuff like that and how to, you know, he, he, know, he knows everything, how to do it on manual mode, but it's, <laughs> there's some things that he's still kind of green at. So. All of a sudden I hear, Hey, and I go, I go, why? He goes, the camera won't turn on. And I said, really? And, uh, so I'm kind of running through my head, like what's going on. And then kind of going through a checklist. So I stand up and turn around and kind of help him fiddle around with the camera. Finally get the camera on. I sit down or when I go to sit down, uh, I turn back around and I'm going to lift or put my chair down my seat on my stand. And I look down at 20 yards and I see a deer and I, all I see is white and he's at 20 yards on his antler, on his head. And I pick my binos up and it's the nine. He's already at 20 yards. And I'm like, and I I just, I said, Casey, the nine is, is right here. And he goes, he looks over and he's like, Oh, he saw him. You know, I grab my bow, I stand up and now he is so close that he can't see up over, you know, into the tree because it's, Peter and I knew he was going to walk out and he was going to actually walk out the way that he came in before when I couldn't get a shot at him. So he was going to be quartering away 25 yards dead, you know, just yep. Yep. nothing. I mean, it was going to be perfect. I get ready to go to full draw. Or maybe I did go to full draw. I think I did. And uh, I said, are you good? And he goes, I said, how's your light? And he says, I'm at 64,000 ISO, which to anybody that doesn't know that, that is your ISO is, is basically gain. So you're, you're, you're bringing artificial light into the camera to try to make it brighter. 
and 64,000 like cameras. Like we don't, we don't really shoot, you know, on this in particular camera, if it's over 10,000 ISO, we don't shoot. And this is at 64,000. Oh geez. So yeah. And when he said that, I said, well, I can't shoot him. And I had to, I had to let up and he just walked off and I'm like, Oh my gosh, another opportunity, you know, and it gets saved by the camera. And, uh, you know, and it, it wasn't anybody's fault. It wasn't Casey's fault or nothing. It was just how it happened. How it happened. And yep. And he, he, we watched him walk off and it got light and we had standing corn, like I said, behind us. And we wanted to see if we could pull something out of the corn. So I grabbed the antlers and I bang them together and I'm, just crushing them, just trying to get something out of this corn, maybe something draw or something come out. And I look over to the north and all I see is white time running. So now there's a, a line of cedars in between this deer that's running and me. So when he'd go behind the cedars, I couldn't see him. But when he, you know, would get in between the cedars, I could just catch glimpses. And I'm like, that is a big deer, big deer. And he's running like, we're facing west and he's running west. So he's running parallel to us. Like, so I look in this, in this, he's going to come into this opening and I pick my binos up and I go, Casey, there's a big deer. And he stops and he turns his head and I look and I saw a doe. He was, he had a doe with him. She kept running and he stopped. And I said, big deer, big deer. I just kept saying, big deer, big deer, big deer. I don't know how many times I said it. And he, and he looks at me, and that's the first time I ever laid eyes on the great Hambino. And he's at 180 yards probably, and he heard the rattling. He came into it, and he's looking right at us, like right in our direction. He knew exactly where it came from. And um, so what's going through my head is like, oh, crap, what do I do now? Like he knows I'm here. You know, so now it's like, go through the checklist. What can I do? Like, check his body posture, see what he's doing. Like, he's aggressive. I know he's aggressive now because he came running into me yep. with the rattle. So I'm not going to rattle now because he's out in the middle of wide open and it's me like a megaphone up here just saying, hey, you know, I'm over here kind of thing. So grabbed the grunter, grunted kind of like as he was looking away, he looked, didn't want anything to do with it, um, went right down to that tree line, right to that point went right underneath the tree where we said we need to keep, we need to be. And he kept walking. He came to like 130 yards. He would snort wheeze a couple times just to try to, he was trying to draw us down there. Yep. And it was crazy. I mean, my heart was ripping out of my skin. Like <laughs> that's amazing, man. Yeah. And I mean, there's times I, I'm trying to look at him and see what he is. And I'm like, he's got so much going on in his head. Like I didn't even know what the heck he was well this lasted probably six minutes hands of going down in the ditch to try to find his dough and i look up at casey and i said i could throw up right now like i i just what is going on like what was that and he looks at me and goes that deer's a booner he said that deer will probably touch 190 and i said holy cow so i am like okay what do we do so we're trying to talk it out like He's down in this ditch in front of me and we're like, we need to try to wait this deer out. This was at like probably 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Maybe um, it might not have been that late. It might've been like nine 30. We waited him out for like an hour and a half. Nothing came out. We can see the whole ditch. So wherever he comes out, we'd be able to see him. Never came out. 
So we're like, okay, we got a perfect win. Let's get down, pull the stands, run down there to that point, hang the stands, and get back in for the rest of the day. Like maybe he'll come back by because we obviously know there's a hot dough in the area now. So we get down, pull the stands, and we lug everything down there. And it's probably like 140 yards. So we, we walk down there just sweating. <laughs> and the sun's up now. And and we're hanging the stand. And uh, hung it, got in it. And actually had the worst night of hunting that we had the whole trip. It got really windy, like 30-mile-an-hour gust. And... The thing with being in the bottom is we knew we were going to lose all of our visuals right? because it was so tight. Like the deer were going to be right on top of us and we couldn't see, you know, very far. So I kind of chalk up our worst night of seeing deer move it to that because we could see, I mean, you, you could see your dog run away for two days and stand on a beer can and watch him run away for three <laughs> where we were at, you know? Right, right. So we saw two does that night and, uh, we knew we were going to get right back in that stand in the morning and it was going to be cold. It was like a 28 degree drop in temperature overnight. Okay. So we're like, it's going to happen. Um, you're feeling good now. Feeling real good, you know? And, and now this is day, this is, oh, and Chris actually killed that morning in Kansas. So we were on a high, you know, kind of, I was really happy for Chris, but I was really like (laughs) pressures on now. Like, yep. You know, and, and Casey and I were both like, that was Chris's second buck in three sets of the season. We're like, what the heck? Like, you know, good for him, but geez, what does a guy got to do to exactly. to get on a deer, you know? Yep. So that didn't help. And I knew we were going to be leaving in at least two or three days to go back. And then I knew my rut hunt was over. So the pressure's really starting to mount. And it's, it's self-inflicted for sure. You know, I didn't say anything to anybody. You know, just trying to stay cool, calm, and collective, but, like, the pressure's on. Like, and that's just me being competitive with myself. Absolutely. And, you know, waiting for this long to get this tag, and, you know, everything's running through your head. So, you know, we get up in the next morning, and we get in early, you know, and we, we walk in the stand, we get in the stand, and uh, it's cold. I mean, so cold. It was the, I usually don't get cold very often my feet were, they were cold. <laughs> Casey was losing batteries so fast. Um, and it started getting daylight and heard a twig snap underneath of us in the, in the ditch. And, uh, there was a, a spike in a doe and they kind of walked out and they started walking up towards tiny dancer. Now tiny dancer is the stand that we've been sitting in for, the uh, whole week. Yep. The pr- previous. And all where, hunts. Yep. Where we, pu- where we pulled the stand from and, and moved down there. So there wasn't a stand in that tree anymore. Um, so they're walking up there and it kind of drew my attention because I'm facing the tiny dancer stand. So it kind of drew my attention up there, but there was a limb in my tree where I couldn't actually see the tiny dancer tree unless I kind of like got down on my stand and looked underneath of it. And I looked and I could see a couple does literally right underneath the tree. And I'm like, I, I remember telling myself, please don't be up there. Like, do not be up there. You know, saying yep. for him to not be up there. And I, I picked my binos up and wouldn't you know it, he's the first deer I put my binos on. Oh, and he is 10 yards right underneath that tree. <laughs> and 
I said, Casey, I, I actually had a foul word that came out of my mouth and I said, yep. he's right there. And he goes, where? And I said, he is literally right underneath the tiny dancer stand. And he's with eight different does and another Pope and young buck. And he's pushing all these does out in front of us. He finally like pushes all of them off and he keeps one. And she was obviously the hot one. And you'll hear me on that film. You're like, just push him down here. And he, he did. He, he came right down to 80 yards. When he kind of made that move down to us, I grabbed my bow and I'm like, it's going to happen. Because all the deer that would come from the tiny dancer stand when we were sitting there would come right down to this point. And then they, they would kind of disperse from there. So I'm like, this, this is going to happen. And he's out there 80 yards. He's got frost on his back. He's lip curling. You know, you can see his breath. And I'm like, this is just majestic. You know, yeah, the sun's coming perfect. up. It's perfect. It is. And uh, when he gets to 80 yards, the doe didn't want to come any farther towards me. And, and she went straight north, like kept going oh, down in the geez. draw. And I'm like, oh, man. And I'm like, so then I turn around and I kind of took my tether on my safety harness and wrapped around my neck <laughs> to kind of like give Casey a joke. Yep. And I'm like, are you serious? I, I can't explain to you how upset I was at that moment that I was, if I could have jumped out of the tree, I know a lot of guys said, seriously, like I was so sick to my stomach and I know people are probably listening to this like, this guy's a, this guy's a moron, <laughs> but if you, if you really like, you know, are in into it as much as I am, like it's, yep. it's just like anything. If you're passionate about anything, I don't care if it's basket weaving, cooking, I don't care what it is. You're passionate about something and you put all your time and effort into it. I've been away from my family for, you know, almost three weeks now. And I, I know I'm going to be gone for another three weeks. So it's like, it's just a lot of things are culminating. Absolutely. And, that, and, that, and that's what things like people don't realize that though. You know what I mean? Like I'm actually really, yeah. really, really happy. You just said that just because you, we do, whether we are making, you know, footage for the Kiefer brothers or I'm making footage from, from my pure enjoyment. Like there is that pressure. Like when I ha finally did that for my buck, man, I was like, like when I call talk to my wife, it was just like, I couldn't wait to tell her. Cause I couldn't wait for her to be like, you're done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like yep. finally, like, like almost like a relief for her, but also a relief for me too, just because I'm away from my daughter. I'm away from my, my wife, my family. So I'm, thank you yep. for saying that, man. Cause a lot of people are going to be like, like you said, like if you're listening, <laughs> trust me, man, if you're passionate as much as we love it, that, you know, this is what we love. So keep going, man. I, I'm like, I'm engulfed yeah. in this moment. <laughs> well, and just to add on that a little bit, like my life revolves my family is first and foremost. Don't get me wrong. They are, they come first. But my life with my job, every day of the year, whether I'm doing the hunting myself or it's my job, I think about whitetails every day just because that's the environment I'm in. Yeah. You know, uh, th so that's, that's what I've chose to do. And, you know, my wife, she's a hunter as well. She loves the bow hunt. She likes to rifle hunt and everything. She gets it, you know, and she's very very i'm very fortunate to have the wife i do because she she understands and it is hard on her in the fall i i do get that and and she's strong you know she's a strong-willed woman and you know she was right along the hunt with me she knew about this deer and, and my daughter she's two years old you know she knew about it she was big buck daddy's big buck you know like <laughs> that's awesome so anyway back back to the story 
so these deer, these, this buck in the stove, you know, the Hambino in the stove, they go up to the north and there's a pond dam up there with a whole bunch of cedars and it's thick around it. And then there's a, the road is just on the other side of that pond dam. Well, that's where we parked. Um, so Casey is literally down to his last battery. This is only probably 930 in the morning. So my plan was I wanted to try to sit all day, but my feet were so cold and he had no batteries left. So we we're like, we have to get out of here for yeah. at least an hour and have to get back in. I had some other batteries back at the house. Well, we had to go buy these deer to get back out, which, which we figured they were up there. You know, we had talked about in the stand. We we're like, we don't know if they're by this pond dam, but we have to think that they are. We have to like take it as, okay, they are by that pond dam. And just to keep ourselves in check. Um, so what we had did is we looped, we went a couple hundred yards out of the way to make sure our wind was right and make sure they couldn't see us if they were bedding in there to get to our truck. So that's what we did. I mean, it took us, it took us probably an extra 15 minutes to get out of there because right. we just went a long way. Um, but the importance of exit, yeah. you know, route and the entry routes, I yeah. mean, it's, it, it, yep. it pays dividends in the, in the long run. Yeah. Oh, and, and I'll, I'll get to that here in a minute. He, uh, or, so we got in the truck and went back and we, we got a quick bite to eat, warmed up, got some batteries, got back in the stand. It was 1230, got back in the stand at 1230. We were going to sit the rest of the day. And, um, so when we hung this stand, there's cedar or there's a uh, CRP on each side. So there's fields. So we're, you know, no matter what side of the deer that comes on the tree, we're going to be skylined. So, we had cut some cedar boughs and, and tied up some paracord and actually hung it behind us. So Casey and I were back to back um, and all the deer were coming on my side the whole week. All the deer were, we never saw one deer come on the backside. So we're like, let's hang these here just to break up our silhouette. So we're sitting there and we do an intro um, to just kind of let, you know, the public that are watching it, everybody know what's going on. And we talk a little bit about it and, I think it was about, I can't remember, it's probably between 1 and one thirty. Casey goes, A.B., there's a deer coming back here. He's like, I can't see it. I can just hear it. And it's coming from the north. So it's coming from with the way the pond dam's at. And uh, I stand up. I look around. And it's coming on the backside of the tree. And it was two does. It was a doe and a fawn. And they walk at 15 yards right by us. Never knew we were there. And we're like, huh, that's, that's kind of weird. We never saw one deer yet this, this whole week come on this side of the, the ditch. So we're kind of talking about it. And we, I sit back down and just, I wanted to stay silent and not move much. And it was three o'clock. No, yep, three o'clock. Three o'clock rolled around and he goes, another deer coming from the north. And I, I can't see it. I can just hear it. So I stand up, turn around, and here comes an adult doe by herself and she comes the same path and her whole back is destroyed. It is like, <laughs> like it looks like, you know, she'd been bred. Yep. Um, you know, just her, her furs all messed up and everything. And right when she walked by, I told Casey, I said, why is an adult doe by herself right now in the heart of the rut? Like, I know it's possible, but it's like every doe that we've seen so far this week has been being pushed, right. you know, like not one has been by itself. And Casey looks at me and goes, that's her, that's his doe. Guaranteed. He, I remember him saying to me, that's his doe. 
And he go, I said, I can't shoot back there. He goes, we need to take these cedar boughs down. And he's like, I'd rather be skylined and you have an opportunity than not get an opportunity at all. Because three deer have come by here now and they've all been on the backside. So we took them down and just kind of tucked them in around us. And uh, I stayed standing up. Usually I don't sit down. I stayed standing up this, or no, I was sitting down. I'm sorry. I did go back and sit down and uh, sitting there and 3.30 rolls around and Casey goes, maybe another deer coming. For some odd reason, I, ha- I had gloves on. I hate wearing gloves. I can't shoot with gloves on. I try to practice with them. I hate, I hate it. But I had gloves on. For some odd reason, I stood up and took my gloves off. I didn't the first two times. And uh, I, I, I said, where? And he goes, same trail as the last three. And I went to grab my bow. And as I'm kind of grabbing my bow, he goes, it's the great Hambino. Oh my. And I'm like, yeah. And I haven't seen him yet because Casey's in my way. I have to kind of lean out yeah. to see him. And I said, how far? And he said, I think he said 15 yards. But actually, I think he said 15, but he was actually at like 23 or 25. So, and he... He hit our he hit our trail coming in that we walked in on, and turned and walked right at us. And he's like just sniffing the ground, and I kind of look over behind Casey, you know, where I could see him, and I just see his right side, and I'm like, oh my gosh, he like, and I, I black out. Then yeah. it was just like immediately I went to where can I shoot him because we didn't have a shooting lane down there, and I had a couple holes in this this. Uh, hedge apple tree and a little bit bigger than a basketball and i picked the last one because he was already through the one and he was kind of quarter and two slightly and i i went to full draw and i mean i stopped him and i i so i I shoot a garmin sight and it's got the trigger on it that gives you the yardage so i held the button down and it said 17 yards and it gave me my 17 yard pin Okay. And I, it, for some reason in my head, I panicked. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's I, like, what is that? Like if you hit the trigger twice, it'll give you fixed pins. So it'll give you 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. So I double punched it and I got my 20 yard pin up and I just like totally that calmed me down for some reason. And I just settled the pin and I touched it off and the rest was history. Man, that's <laughs> and, unbelievable. <laughs> Yep. And honestly, the reason, I mean, you can blame all the footage after the shot on me because as the deer's running up the hill, I remember seeing blood, blood coming out of his left side, like pouring out of his left side before he even gets to, you know, he's probably only 60 yards away running uphill. Casey forgets the camera and we start just hogging and just yelling. And I said, he, he, it, he even told me, he's like, it hit me. I had to get back on the deer. I had to get the camera and get back on the deer. So when he went to do that, he couldn't because I had his arms. I grabbed his arms. <laughs> I wouldn't let him go. And he's like, let me go. Let me go. Let me go. And finally, I kind of like let him go. And he, he just barely got the deer going down. And he ended up going like 70 yards. And when I seen him go down, I mean, it was, it was craziness in that cedar tree. I mean, you could have seen us from a satellite up in the up in space because that, it, a tree was moving so crazy. That's freaking awesome, man. And that, like like you said that right side is just incredible. I've never seen a yeah. deer like if, you know, pictures nothing. Like 
like that was a phenomenal phenomenal deer and an amazing hunt overall and you yeah. know so you, you made an amazing shot on him like you said it went set he went 70 yards he went up over that little hill you guys you know you got down you got your gopro you're filming that and then you walk up to that buck and you, what was your you know, that, <laughs> that that feel when you laid your eyes on him and not only your because i mean you've been putting your eyes on him but like yeah when you finally got your hands on him like what what, yep. was, what were you going what was your emotions well to back up a little bit and we you know we were talking about our wives and family real quick when when we were celebrating i called my wife in the stand or i actually facetimed her and yep. she goes why are you or i called her and then i ended up facetiming she goes why are you calling me it's only three thirty, and i said i just killed the big one i killed the hambino and she started bawling oh man started, that's awesome yeah, she started crying, and then my daughter ran over and said, "Big buck, big buck, you know, daddy got <laughs> the big amazing. buck." And so, and then in turn, Casey and I started crying a little bit, getting yeah. tear-eyed. So that was like that's what we do it for. Like that, yeah. like they were right along the hunt with me, even though they were eleven hours away, you know. And and they were so happy for me, and because they know how much time I put in and everything. So, but yeah, so that was that was a really neat neat part that I'll never forget. Um, so going back to my feeling when we went walked up on him, you know, even after the second encounter that morning that we had with him, when we went back and looked at the footage, we still didn't know what he was. Like we just knew he had tines everywhere, did not know what that right side even looked like. It was just hard to really picture like what it was. So walking up on him, it, it <laughs> really hard to explain, like really nervous. Yeah. For some reason I was just nervous. Um, but it was, it was, I had a tingling sensation. Like, you know, maybe if you like sit on your, your hands and they fall asleep and you get that tingle, like I had that tingling for some reason, really warm and tingly. And that's the best way I can describe it. But le legitimately what you saw in that film is the first time I saw that deer. Um, that is my initial reaction. And that is one thing that we try to we pride ourselves a little bit on because a lot of people will walk up to them and see, and then just like kind of position them and then, you know, and then do the recovery. As you can see, my arrow was still in them. Yep. I, I, I do have a little more respect for deers, you know, the animals that we chase and that too. And, but, um, I wanted it to be raw and authentic. I mean, I wanted people to see my reaction, the way it happened. Well, can and, I, uh, can I intervene? Because I, I do want to say one thing and yeah. you, here's, Honest to goodness, here's one of the main reasons why I really wanted to try to get you on. During that recovery, and you know, you're you're all jacked up, you're pumped, and you're doing it in such a well-respected manner. And then all of a sudden, you turn and you you have this emotion of like heartfelt like love. And this is where I guess you could see the true friendship and like family that you got that you have with Casey and Chris. You go, man you just stopped what you were doing and you just like got so serious and in, in, a, in a loving manner and you like put out your fist and you're like, thank you, man, for being here. And like, yeah. it, like it was so raw and I'm like, he's a great guy. Like just that one moment, <laughs> like, like I know that kind of sounds like corny, but like, I just knew it. And then like, again, like that was, I'm like, I really want to talk to him about this hunt. Like it's <laughs> a, like, it's a phenomenal hunt. It's an incredible buck, but I'm like, he we could get along so like I, yeah I, I know that i'm kind of going off script there in a sense of no like, you're good man but like that's like honest to goodness i'm like when i saw you do that i'm like yep that's a good dude he like uh, that like i've sold if that makes sense yeah 
I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, you know, and that, I, I guess you could say that I, like I said earlier, I count my blessings. It, I wouldn't be in this position if it wasn't for Casey and Chris. Yep. Um, so I, I owe everything to them. I mean, what you didn't see is afterwards, after we did all of our, our talk and everything, the first person I called was Chris, and I said the exact same thing to him. He was driving back to Michigan, and I said, first and foremost, I said, I got to thank you so much for letting me, you know, giving me the opportunity to do this. And, you know, he said the same thing. You earned it, man. Like, I've been with these guys for eight years now, going on nine, and I've been over Casey's shoulder for all those years. Like, yep. you know, this is I'm not. This was not any way to brag or nothing, but this is Casey and I's fourth Booner deer that we were together with. You know, we've killed more deer together as well, a lot, but we we've done pretty well together. And it, him and I have a a bond that's pretty pretty strong. You know what I mean? I, I look yeah. up to him and and I respect him. You know, with with everything about me. You know, so um. Yeah, and, and back to the respect thing, you know, with the deer, and like I said, the arrow was still hanging out. I eventually took it out and as we were talking, but, like, you know, my rule of thumb and my dad taught me, you know, when I was young is you never step over a deer. You know, you always respect them the way that, uh, you know, they should be respected. So I've never that's awesome. you know, stepped over a deer and belittled a deer. Like, that's just, you know, that's something that was instilled in me when I was little, and that's how that's just how I, I do it. And Casey's the same way. You know, he was you know, he, he believes in the same, same manner. So yeah, it, I mean, back to the reaction is just we sat there and just reflected, man. And I honestly didn't really have a lot of words that I didn't say too much. Of, no, you didn't, you know, no, it was, it was awesome. <laughs> it was raw. It was authentic and it, it was amazing. Yeah. It, it, I, my heart was still pounding and it was still like, it, it still hadn't hit me, you know, and just, you know, and I feel like a lot of it was just a flashback of my whole life, like starting when I was, you know, eight and my dad taking me and, you know, like it sounds kind of mushy and corny, but like a lot of that stuff, like even when I said when I was growing up, it, you never thought I would be a realistic thing. And, and now here it is full circle. So that was, that was really cool. That's amazing. Well, I know you just posted on Instagram, like within the past days now, like when this finally airs, it's been, you know, probably a week or two, uh, his official score, go ahead and, and deliver that big number, man. <laughs> well, first of all, I want to say, um, I actually just got the coolest thing. I mean, score is great and all, and don't, it really is, but <laughs> the coolest thing for me is his age. Um, I, I sent his teeth out right after, um, I got home from from Kansas when we went back to Kansas. When we got home around Thanksgiving, I sent his teeth into a place called Deer Age, and they do the the aging process in a lab, and he ended up coming back at seven and a half years old. Unbelievable. So he's a legend. I mean, he is – that. the coolest thing about that is, is, like, he's been out there for seven and a half years through seven, you know, hunting seasons for, you know, if he could, you know, tell a story. Oh how many hunt, how many hunters did he encounter? How many arrows did he get flung at? Like, you know what? Like that's what's so unique to me about whitetails is like, what is this thing? What has he experienced in seven years? Correct. And that's just unbelievable. Well, it's crazy. 
No, that, so, but I saw you post that, and that like like I actually when I was like scrolling through and saw that like when you posted, I was just like my eyes just like bugged out, and I'm just like <laughs> uh, like like I'm not surprised, but you know because of just you know just how big he was, and then obviously how big the the rack was, but you know that just he was just a phenomenal of, of a deer it's just such such a cool animal and um yeah you know and obviously then when you when you go to what was on top of his head that that right side was just one of the coolest looking racks i've ever seen yeah he, he is it's it's really cool he he's got 17 scoreable points um he had just over 37 inches of mass alone um one beam was over 22 inches the other one was over 23 inches he was only 15 and i think five eighths inches wide so he's not that wide um his longest time is g2 is 13 and an eight and he ended up scoring at 186 and seven eighths Awesome, man. So, that is good. Yeah. I mean, just all around a seven and a half year old and what well, your goal was, what, a four? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, four year old. Yeah. You outdid yourself there, man. And, you know, an incredible, incredible, truly incredible story. And, yeah. you know, you talked about Casey, B, Casey being behind the camera for you, you. And you mentioned in your podcast, you know, you're two for two with them. Now, is there going to be an opportunity? Uh, like, what's your goal for him? Maybe, go, like, could you guys go three for three? next year like what's your goal uh for for next year man i i i hope so we'll see <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what tags we're gonna draw yet we were just talking about that the, the other this last week is we're trying to figure out what hunts we're gonna go on and what we're gonna do we're trying to trying to possibly do an elk hunt um whether he gets a tag or i get a tag or or what we do but we want to we want to go out west we've never elk hunted i've filmed some elk hunting but we've never actually elk hunted um, so it's something we're really green at. We want to learn it. Yeah. We want to like, you know, do it. So that's awesome. We'll see. I mean, you know, a lot of people don't realize either, you know, seven days after we killed that deer, Casey and I both killed in one day on, in Kansas. So yeah. that, that episode will be coming out here in the next couple of weeks. It's pretty cool as well. That's, and that's awesome. Um, yeah. So he, Casey puts it into a, a story of a deer that we've, been hunting for four years and he ended up being eight and a half years old that we wow. think he we think he's eight we think the first year we had the farm he was four and a half and now um it's been four years so uh it's a pretty cool story that's so yeah. cool and you got like i said i've, I've said this now like it's probably the third time but like i just love your guys content it, it's, it's, it's just so <laughs> I, we appreciate yeah, that man it's, it's just awesome well aaron well i mean I honestly, honestly, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, for sharing that story about the great Hambino, um, you know, talking about you growing up hunting and sharing some more, more stories. And I'm sure, man, I would love to have you on. And like, I, I love gear. So I know how you yeah. said that you're tinkering around in, in your basement with, with some archery gear. We'd love, yeah. I would love to have you on and, and talk about like, you know, what your setup is. And, um, I'm actually super thrilled. Uh, Bryce just called me or messaged me that the, today and just said hey your your vxr is in so i'll be going in tuesday to Perfect. pick up yeah man i'm going to go pick that up and go throw some uh get my already i've had my platinum strings from abb in for like the past couple months now so i'm just waiting to to get those uh put on and get everything set up and start shooting man i'm i'm like itching i'm good like I'm, it's driving me nuts good deal yeah i'm looking at my vxr right now hanging here and i need a it needs some love. I need to need to work on it. I just got my platinums on there. You couldn't have picked a better string, yep. in my opinion. Those uh, strings are 
things are great. So uh-huh. yeah, no problem, man. And if anytime you want to talk or, you know, anything, even if you just want to BS, I'm, I'm game, man. Any, anytime I have an excuse to talk about hunting, I'm there. So awesome. just let me know. Well, before we get off then, you know, where could people find more information about you and, uh, you know, go from there? Yeah. So if you want to know more about my podcast, the fall podcast, uh, we have a, a Facebook page, just, you know, search the fall podcast, same with Instagram, search fall podcast. Um, I do most of the updating for the podcast on there. Of course, um, my Instagram is just a B underscore humanimal. So if you want to see more of like what I do on a day to day, um, is more on that page and then anything humanimal slash keeper brothers, go to Instagram, type in either Kiefer Brothers or Humanimal. You'll find us there. Same with YouTube. So our YouTube channel, we've got a lot of cool content on there. Like you were saying, um, our, our all, not all of our hunts yet, but majority of them are on there right now. We're still getting more up here in the next couple of weeks. I think we got two or three more episodes to do. So uh, go there and subscribe to that channel. And, and yeah, that's basically where you can uh, follow us and, and hopefully everybody likes the content. Awesome, man. Well, everybody go ahead and give them a follow, check them out. And, uh, thank you for listening till next time. Antler up. All right, everybody. So that wraps up our episode with Aaron and man, thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with us tonight. We, I love talking to you about that story of the great Hambino and uh, really looking forward to the Kansas hunt and Casey hunt on that one. So you two bucks get knocked down at the same time. So look for that, everybody that's listening. I hope you enjoyed it and uh, you you uh, got something out of it. So check us out over at antlerupoutdoors.com. And don't forget to write a comment about the podcast. It means a lot to us. We appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, thank you for all the love and support so far. Uh, again, it means a lot. So hope you're getting after it. Antler up.